You're here. Your heart's right with God. You're living for God. Heaven is your destination. Are you taking somebody with you? You see, the reality, we can answer that question without reservation. Yes, I'm taking people with me. You say, well, pastor, how can I do that? By letting your light shine. By realizing everywhere you are, everything you do, everything you say, make a difference. Day by day, you're building your legacy. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. If you have your Bibles, open them the book of Acts. And then while you have your finger there, I want you to flip the book of Daniel. I've got a series that I'm starting today, and it's, it's called The Christian Life is a Life of Purpose. Understand something today, ladies and gentlemen. The reason that we get saved and God doesn't instantaneously take us home is because he saved us for a purpose. He came for a purpose. He lived for a purpose. He died for a purpose. He rose again for a purpose. And that purpose is sitting January 5th, 2014 at Victorious Life and every other church in the world that's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, there is no more precious thing in the sight of God than the salvation of the lost. The only thing that God prizes more, and this is going to sound a little on the morbid side, but the only thing that God looks forward to than the day of your salvation is the day of your death. Psalm 116 says, it's because God's able to welcome us home. Acts chapter 1. The scripture says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of, that my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. He said, John baptized with water. In a few days, you are to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And there is a complete difference, ladies and gentlemen. That's not talking about just the receiving of the Holy Spirit at salvation. There's an actual immersing of the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about that in the days and weeks to come. So they asked him, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Look at me just a second. Too many times when we look at God's word, just like the disciples, God is speaking eternal things and we go to temporal things. We immediately look at the here and now, not the then and there. And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times or the dates that my father has set in his own authority and I want you to underline this in your notes, if you would, please. But you will receive power 
That word power means the ability, the efficiency, and the might. There's a purposefulness to this, this, this word. You shall receive power when you go to church because you pray to prayer when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then I want you to underline this word, this, this phrase, and you will be witnesses. You will receive power for what purpose? To be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Now I'll bring that to the temporal. In Flagstaff, Williams and Winslow, all of Arizona, and the uttermost parts of the earth. After this, they were taken up. He was taken up just right before their eyes. And then it says, two men dressed in white stood beside them and said, you men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking up into the sky? The same Jesus that was taken away will in like manner return the same way, come back from heaven for you one day. If I can put this into modern day translation, Jesus is saying, guys, Stop wondering what's going on and start doing something about what went on. Stop wondering what you should do and go do what you know I left you to do. The power of the Holy Spirit that was promised was not given simply that a Christian might have some unusual religious experience The power of the Holy Spirit was given to you and I that we could take the gospel to the world. Let me share you a part of my heart. My heart's desire is right here at Victorious Life Christian Center that through the Holy Spirit's power, our church becomes a healing in our community. That our church becomes intentional in discipleship, mentoring, developing and evangelizing as many as possible before the Lord's return. Paul, as he's writing in Colossians chapter 1, he said, I've been warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom that God has given us that we can mature people. You've heard it stated that this church, I am a pastor, I don't, I don't mince very many words. How many can say amen to that? I just kind of, you know, I, I think God said what he meant and meant what he said. We pretty agreeable on that? I learned that, you know, the, the word of God can make you glad. The word of God can make you mad. And it, it can do both. So God has challenged me. This one truth is that people that come to this church, they will either grow or they will go. Say amen, Bob, please. Okay, come. How many are growing in the things of God in this church? How many have grown since you come to Victorious Life? Lift your hand up high. My wife and I were in Prescott yesterday doing some stuff, and, and God is so cool. <laughs> we're there, and we go into this, this little shoe shop, and we were in there a few months ago. I was getting some of my shoes fixed because we don't have a shoe shop up here anymore. If we do, let me know, please, that repair shoes. And I'm in there, and I'm talking to the people, and this lady behind us says, 
you're the guy on the radio, aren't you? We go yesterday, what was the first place we went to, dear? But besides, after the shoe store, we went someplace else. Oh, the Christian bookstore. We're staring in the bookstore, and, and this lady walks in, and she says, man, I don't remember exact words, but it's the power of God's resting on you guys. I said, praise the Lord. Thank you. I started talking, and the Christian bookstore comes up to me. I listen to you on the radio all the time. I went, we're, we're looking at possibly in the future getting a golf cart to help people for the transition through the parking lots. How many think that might be a cool idea? And those young people raised their hand first. Yeah. I said young people. I didn't mean Andrew. I just, uh, anyway. My poor Andrew. <clears throat> I walked into the store and I said, you know, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, getting a, 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 a golf cart. Can you tell him? He said, you're the guy on the radio. You, you meet at Flag Middle School, don't you? Don't know the guy from Adam. Why am I saying all of that? Because we are making a difference in this community. People are hearing. I put, how many have heard Victoria's Life on the radio? We put little sermonettes out there. And I have people call me. I've had people call me and get saved. They said, I got saved listening to what you're saying on that little radio. It is amazing what God will do in 30 seconds. They told me they're thinking going to a 15-second spot. And I said, well, you have to cut me off. It's hard enough to do it in 30 seconds. But God is faithful and God can do it. My statement is, <coughs> is God wants to use us to intentionally make a difference outside of these four walls. And that's what you and I have to commit to in 2014. We have to warn everyone teaching everyone with all the wisdom that God will give. You say, well, pastor, I don't feel very smart. The Bible says don't even worry about what to say. I'll give you what to say. Billy Graham in his latest book, Nearing Home, made a statement. He said, God doesn't want us to waste our latter years or spend them in superficial, meaningless pursuits. Instead, he wants us to use them in whatever ways we can influence those who will come after us. God wants us to finish well. You and I have a legacy. And God wants us to build that legacy. Let me share a poem. I've shared this poem a, a couple years ago in the church, but it's one that makes so good sense. I want to share it with you again. An old man going a lone highway came in the evening cold and gray to a chasm vast and deep and wide through which there flowed a sullen tide. I need to turn these monitors off. I think that's what I'm, this ring back I'm hearing is. The old man crossed in the twilight dim and the sullen stream had no fears for him. But he stopped when safe on the other side and built a bridge, a bridge to span the tide. Old man said a fellow near, you're wasting your strength by building here. Your journey will end with the ending day, and never again are you going to pass this way. You've crossed the chasm deep and wide. Why do you build this bridge at evening tide? The builder lifted his old gray head. Good friend, in the path I've come, he said, there follows after me others this day 
whose feet must pass this selfsame way. This chasm which has been not to me, to a fair-haired youth, a pitfall be. He too must cross in twilight dim. Good friend, I build this bridge for him. Let me change the word bridge to legacy. This is the legacy God wants you to realize your life is about. You're building a bridge to eternity for others to follow. Daniel says it this way, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth are going to awake one day, some to everlasting life and some to everlasting shame, contempt. But he says, those who are wise are going to shine like the brightness of the stars in heaven. Who are they? Those who lead many to righteousness will shine like those stars forever. Our legacy, temporal and eternal, is being built every single day. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says it this way, because of God's grace given to me. Underline that, would you, in your notes? People sit back and say, Pastor, I'm not you. I can't do what you do. Yes, you can, because you have the same grace operating in your life. Because of God's grace given to me, Paul said, I have laid a foundation as an expert builder, or one's translation says, as a wise master builder. And this is the part that we need to grab a hold of. He said, no one can lay any other foundation. And that foundation is only Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 15, the scripture says, I tell you, in the same way, there is more rejoicing in one sinner who repents than over 90 and 9 that need not to repent. Look at me, please. You're here. Your heart's right with God. You're living for God. Heaven is your destination. Are you taking somebody with you? You see, the reality, we can answer that question without reservation. Yes, I'm taking people with me. You say, well, pastor, how can I do that? By letting your light shine. By realizing everywhere you are, everything you do, everything you say, make a difference. Day by day, you're building your legacy. And God says you're not doing it alone. He has given us the wisdom, the confidence, the power, and the authority to bring others to himself. You see this book that I hold in my hand? I pray you bring your Bible to church. I pray that you don't only follow the scripture on the screen, but you flip through your Bible that you can be familiar with it, that you can learn it, that you can grow in the pages of it. Churches once a week, folks, the assembling, but you, the church, are 24-7, 365. And the only way we're going to grow is we have to know. The only way we'll ever show is when we begin to go. Mahatma Gandhi, of this book that I hold in my hands, God's Gracious Word, he said, you Christians have in your keeping a document so powerful that it could blow the entire civilization to bits. It could turn society upside down and bring peace to a war-torn world. But listen to Mahatma Gandhi's reproval to us. But we read it as if it's just good literature and nothing else. 
Folks, when we sing that song, you are the life, you are the hope. This is what I'm talking about. God's word that will transform us, that will challenge us, that will correct us and convict us. It'll never condemn us. See, the scripture says in John 3.16 that Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Every day, you and I are affecting eternity. The reason we don't look at it that way is because most people don't look at the future. We're concerned about what happened yesterday, afraid of what's going to happen tomorrow, just trying to make it through today. The one thing I know about tomorrow is the one who holds it, so I don't have to fear it. This is why we get so caught up in the temporal things of life. It's because we don't live our lives focused on eternity. The scripture tells us in Matthew 16, for the life that chooses to live that way, what good does it do to gain the whole world if we forfeit our own soul? There's the old adage, the man with the most toys wins. Well, I know the guy that dies with the most toys still dies. What good does it do to gain the whole? If we're not building a legacy, if we're not sending before us, you see, I've learned something a long time ago, ladies and gentlemen. If we will pursue God, he will give us things. But if we pursue things, we will lose both. First Peter says that you and I were bought, not with perishable things. God didn't second guess this whole idea of salvation. But I love the way the scripture reads it here in the NIV. It says, you were redeemed from the empty way of life. Look at me for a moment. How many have gone through life and just said, what in the world is the purpose? How many have felt an emptiness about your life? God has that purpose. God has that plan. And it's right before your eyes in God's word, in God's fellowship. But God said we have to start looking beyond the temporal to the eternal. Because only when we look to the face of God do we have the hope and the promise of the hand of God. You say, Pastor, what's the difference? The face of God represents God's character. God's purpose, God's love, God's grace. The hand of God represents his power. And it's God's hand that's going to enable you and I when we look on his face. A legacy. We were bought with the precious blood of Christ from the foundation of the world. You see, God looked from creation from the foundation, and said, what is man worth? He knew we were going to fall. He knew we were going to sin. He knew we were going to turn away. He said, what is man worth? And he said, I have given my best. They are worth my best. I'll send my son. The Bible says in Colossians 1, it pleased God 
through Christ to reconcile himself to all things by making peace through his blood. You see, God has an obsession, and that obsession is sitting in your chair. And that obsession became paramount in Christ's passion, which was redemption. This is the very heartbeat of God. John chapter 12, he said, Now my heart is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Please underline this in your notes. Jesus said, No, Father, for this very reason I came to this hour. I came not to live. I came to die that you and I could live. Oh, come on. I think somebody should get excited. He said, I didn't come to live. I came to die that you and I could live. You see, I don't have an empty way of life. Like I told you at the beginning of service, that crazy guy jumping around out there, I'm the pastor. You said, are you always like this? Yes, and I'm getting worse. I've only been doing this for 30-something years. I haven't figured it out, so I'm just kind of learning as I go. How many think God's doing a pretty good job? The passion of God established his love and drove Jesus to our salvation. We're building a legacy every day. But let me take you into the heart of building this legacy. Matthew 9. Jesus saw the crowds and he saw they were like sheep having no shepherd. And his heart was broken. He told his disciples, he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers into the field. A legacy is something we build every single day. Number two in your notes quickly, a legacy in Christ can only be built on eternal things. Is the screen not working right now? It's broken, frozen. Are we unfreezing it? Good. We got great minds up in front and back. Pray for the mind here at the pulpit. We'll be doing good. Jim Elliott, martyr to the Ancient Indians, he said, only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. Proverbs 11 resonates with Daniel 12. The fruit of righteousness is the tree of life and he who saves souls, he who wins souls is wise. Say, Pastor, okay, I'm getting the message. Let me understand how to do this. Proverbs 4 tells us how. Get wisdom. Develop good judgment. Can you put that in layman's terms? Yes. The Old Testament, the word wisdom literally means the discernment of good and evil. I've said this for years, folks. It's never an issue of knowing what to do. It's always an issue of doing what you know. It's hardly ever an issue of right and wrong. It's always an issue of doing right in the midst of the wrong. You and I have to have prudence in secular matters. That word prudence is the same word as circumspect. It means we need to be cautious. We need to be wise. We need to take and make discerning ideas of what we're dealing with in this life. In the New Testament, it has all of these words, 
But it also adds this very critical part. Wisdom is the moral attitude rather than the intellectual aptitude. It is doing right in the right we know to do. Look at me for just a second. How many when you did wrong knew you were doing wrong when you did it? Okay, we have a few honest folks. We're going to have an altar call for liars in a little while. But all of us could have raised our hands and jumped up and down. Folks, I'm your pastor. I've been doing this. And you know what? I've done wrong before. Not today, but you know. Well, yeah, but you didn't know. Yes, I did. Oh, I'm, folks, I'm just one of those pastors that tell it like it is, you know, hey. I put my shoes on the same way you do. I put my pants on a little different. It depends on bigger or smaller pants. I mean, hey. <laughs> I am not going to repeat what my wife said. So We all fall short of God's glory. Look at somebody and say, he knows me pretty good, doesn't he? The only reason I do is because I know God's word. And it says, I'm no better than you. You're no better than me. You say, well, what's the difference? I thought you preachers or something else. We just have more responsibility. Because one of these days, God's going to ask me, what did you do with Victoria's life? The hundreds of people that God's going to bring to this church, what are you going to do with it? You say, pastor, only hundreds? That's right. Because when we get to a certain number, we're going to start planting churches. And we're going to start asking you if you happen to live over in Doney Park, we're going to plant a church in Doney Park. Amen. And you might be able to go to church there. We'll plant a church in Mount Eldon. And we'll send people with the pastor. Don't get quiet on me. Amen. Yeah, but I like your church. You can still come here. But you might have a church in your neighborhood. Amen. You know why? No place in God's word does it say he died and left me on the throne. Amen. Is this still working? Amen. No place. We're building his kingdom, not my temple. A legacy is built on eternal things. James 3, you say, well, Pastor, how do I know if I'm operating in wisdom? Very simply, James 3, the wisdom that comes from from above is pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, Good fruit, impartial, sincere. You want to know if you're operating wisdom? Are these working with that that you're doing? The Bible says, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God in Proverbs 9. What does that word fear actually mean? Respect, honor, awe, reverence. I love you and I'm a country boy, folks, but he ain't the man upstairs. He is our heavenly father. He is our God. Now you say, well, pastors, is it wrong to call him a man upstairs? I don't think so. Only if you're doing it flippantly or trivially or lightly without sincerity. Does that make sense to anybody? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What is wisdom? What is known and applied. I know a lot of people that have the word of God in their head, but they don't have it in their heart. You say, well, how do you know the difference? Oh, they can say the right things, but when you follow them long enough, you see them doing the wrong things. There's a huge difference. Are you with me this morning? Am I making sense? The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom 
and knowledge. You say, well, pastor, what is knowledge? Knowing what to do. And once again, we go back to that same thing. None of us have ever not known we were doing wrong when we did it. God said just to do justly, love mercy, walk humbly in Micah chapter 6 verse 8. Knowledge of knowing what to do before the Holy One and understanding. You say, well, Pastor, what is understanding? Simply doing what we know. As we understand wisdom, we realize there's nothing more important on earth than to live a legacy. Not a legacy of money, not a legacy of things, but a legacy of eternity. That eternity is what makes the difference in my life. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, had an atheist talking to him one time, and he said, if I, if I believed what you Christians say you believe about the judgment and the impenitent, uh, uh, of the impenitent rejectors of Christ, I would crawl on my hands and knees through crushed glass all over London, warning people night and day. But in the church world today, because of the different movements that are out there that try to take the responsibility off of us, therefore having no accountability, we become what this next quote declares by a very famous group, not the, D, not the group of today, but DC Talk of many years ago. He said, the single greatest cause of atheism in the world are Christians. They say one thing, they say they acknowledge Christ with their lips, when they walk out the door and they deny him with their life. And this is what an unbelieving world finds simply unbelievable. Ladies and gentlemen, one day we're going to deal, if we go back to, to our text, if we go back to that, that separating of two eternities, some to everlasting judgment and some to everlasting glory. We have eternal life on the line for every single man. Look at me for a second. Nobody dies and becomes worm food. We all die and live forever. It's just the choice of where they're going to live. This is what the legacy of what God wants is all about. This is why we must do what we must do right now. That's why the angels came back to the disciples and said, what are you looking up for? Go do what he said to do. Who is wise, the scripture asked redundantly. They that turn many to righteousness. Greg Laurie, I get several different articles. In one of his articles recently, he said, if we are Christians, are we trying to win people to Christ? Are we helping others to get their feet spiritually to grow, to continue, and to serve the Lord? We can't really control when God will call us home. That's not up to us. We don't determine the date of birth or the date of death, but we control everything between the two. Many years ago, a very famous poem was written, and I want to share it. Because this is where you and I live. I left it in your notes so you could read it along. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on her tombstone from the beginning to the end. And he noted that came first the date of her birth and then spoke the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was that dash between the years. For the dash represented all the time she spent alive on earth. And now only those who love her know 
what that little line is worth. But it matters not. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and spend our dash. So think about this long and hard are things you'd like to change. For you never know how much time is left that can still rearrange. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's real and true and always try to understand the way other people feel and be less quick to anger and show appreciation more to love the people in our lives like we've never loved before, if we treat each other with respect more often wear a smile remembering that this special dash only lasts a little while. So when your eulogy is read with life's actions there to rehash, would we be proud of the things they say about our little dash? John chapter 9 says, we must do the work during the day of the one who sent us, for the night is coming when no one can work any longer. I have this on the screen, so please look at me and look at the screen. The main mission of the church is soul winning. It's not an option. It is a responsibility. If you are a Christian, we are responsible to reach the lost. I'm not talking about you selling everything and going to Africa. I'm not talking about you becoming an itinerant evangelist traveler. I'm talking about the life you live. Let it be broadcast through the words you speak. First Peter says to always be prepared to give everyone an answer for the reason that you have hope. See, what I've learned is that there are going to be many services that will be rendered in the kingdom of God. Many sermons preached, prophecies told, songs sang, programs played. All of this is going to pass away. But the legacy is that soul that will endure forever. He's asking us today, do you want to leave a legacy? Be the one. Be the one that will make the difference. God said, ask for the lost and I'll give them to you. Take the gospel. Take the hope. Take the promise. Folks, our days are numbered. It is short. What are we doing with what we now have? One day, Greg Laurie continued to say in that piece of his, one day the most precious possessions that we have will fit inside a drawer. We're going to leave it all behind. The highest honor that anyone can have is the honor that we have in leading another to Christ. Today is the day for a legacy, folks. Today is the day of salvation. I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. And today we need to understand his return is soon. His return, return is soon. His return is soon. It's not time to just go to church. It's time to be the church.
Let's go tell the world. What do you think? Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.